The New Testament reading today comes from Ephesians 1, uh, verses 11 to 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please bow with me in a word of prayer as we approach the Holy Scriptures today and we lend our ears to what the Lord would say to his church. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your faithful servant, the Apostle Paul. We thank you for all of his labors. We thank you for his faithfulness to you and that you used him to be a prophet of the Most High, to bring the words of life to us so that we might know the way to go, that we might know who you are, and that we might know who we are. And so, Lord, we pray today that in the presence of so much of our brokenness and sin, that you would overshadow us by your Holy Spirit and that you would make an entrance into our souls, into into our minds with the light of your word, Lord, that it would be today uh, sharper than any double-edged sword, that it would pierce us, O God, even to the dividing asunder of joint and marrow, Lord, and soul and spirit. We pray that it would enter deep within and that it would discern the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Lay us bare, O God, speak, O living voice, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue today to uh, think together about uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and I know that we've been going with great uh, cautiousness and uh, with with, um, patience, and I thank you for your patience. There are a lot of weighty matters in Ephesians 1, and uh, I think it's been worth our while to work slowly through this material. And today I want to focus on verses 11 to 14 that we read today. My father was very fond of citing to his boys, my brother and I, I can still hear his voice saying it, repetition is the mother of memory, or as some would have it, repetition is the mother of all learning. The old Latin, the old Latin, Latin phrase, repetatio mater memoriae, repetition is important to how we learn things. And St. Paul clearly wants us to learn some things here in Ephesians 1, and he employs this tool of repetition for us. In just the span of 11 verses, uh, Paul repeats the idea of predestination four times. Chosen in him, we read, before the foundation of the world in verse 4. Predestined for adoption as children, verse 5, included in the eternal plan of God who works all things according to the counsel of his will, verse 11. Um, uh, Sorry, the the eternal plan of redemption, verses 8 to 10, and predestined according to his purpose in verse 11. That's an awful lot of talk about predestination in so short a space. That's a lot of repetition. Paul wants us to learn something here. He wants us to remember something about this. And if you should ever be tempted to think that the doctrine of predestination is on the margins or on the periphery of Scripture, 
remember Ephesians 1. Let no Christian believer, writes that Anglican Augustus Toplady, the author of that great hymn, Rock of Ages, no, let no Christian believer ever be ashamed of that which brings the angels exceeding joy. That is that God has mercy upon those that he has chosen to have mercy upon. And so once again, Apostle Paul, he says, everything that I do, all of my labors, all of my prayers, all of my missionary endeavors, everything I do is for the sake of God's elect. And so we read today, opening up uh, in Ephesians uh, 1.11, predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, I, for one, am very glad that Paul chose his words very carefully here. I'm glad that Paul wrote all things and that he didn't write some things. Certain process theologians would have it this way, that God, God is uh, he's so very busy with this universe. He's trying so very hard to keep everything in the universe in order, but it's a big place and unexpected things happen. Random accidents happen and God can't be expected to manage everything, or so they would say. It would be more adequate if Paul had said to us that God works some things according to the counsel of his will. For it certainly doesn't work our tragedies. God certainly doesn't work the disasters. God doesn't work the upsets. God can't work the disappointments. God certainly doesn't work the afflictions in our lives, they would say. But I love the simplicity and the straightforwardness of Paul this morning. God works all things, we read, according to the counsel of his will. He works the sunshine and God works the storms. Praise the Lord from the earth, writes the psalmist, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, what? Fulfilling his word. The storms and the tempests and the raging winds fulfill God's commands. And so Luther writes, God makes as good a use of evil as he does of good. He directs all things according to his wisdom. Some of you have seen the, the, the Disney film Ratatouille. You'll remember Remy the Rat. You remember that, that uh, somewhat of a failure young cook in the restaurant and he's trying early on in the film to, to put together a bowl of soup or a pot of soup. And he works and he throws a bunch of ingredients in that pot of soup and what he comes up with is a certain disaster. It's inedible. You can't eat the soup. And Remy the rat, this French rat who has this incredibly sophisticated palate, this cultured palate, he comes across this culinary disaster and he gets to work. He takes this ruined dish and from the ruins, he creates something that's even better than the original recipe. And everybody's astonished by this. And this is the gospel in a nutshell, the mystery of evil and pain the mystery of affliction has entered the existence of God's perfect world. And the Lord takes the malice 
And the Lord takes the poison, and he takes the tragedy and the sorrow, and he takes the wickedness. He takes all of the twisted thorns of our existence. He takes this, and he makes it into something that is even better than the first plan. He takes the worst kind of discord, the most excruciating and repulsive noise, and he folds it into his own music to make something utterly astonishing. You see, Joseph's brothers meant it for evil. They did it out of genuine spite, but God designed it for good. You did not send me to Egypt, Joseph says to his brothers. God sent me. But it's very hard. It's very hard on the back side of this tapestry as God is weaving it. We see this mess of threads and loose strings. It's hard to see what God is doing on the front side. And so Paul says that even though God is working all things according to the counsel of his will, even though he's ordering everything, even though, verse 12, he's making us into a trophy of his grace to shine to his praise, even though our salvation is unshakably sure in view of his election and predestination, Our salvation is characterized now by what? It is characterized by hope. And so verse 12 in chapter 3, we who were the first to hope in Christ. Now hope, as Paul writes in Romans 8, that is seen is in hope. For what we see, we don't hope for. And so we possess this grand reality, but Paul says we don't see it. We've been given an inheritance in Christ, verse 11, Paul says. In Christ, in his redemption, we've gained, as adopted sons, we've gained the inheritance. We've gained the blessing that Jacob the deceiver tried to obtain uh, deceptively. We've gained these things, all of them. The astonishing teaching of 1 Corinthians is that in Christ we get all. (laughs) Paul says, in Christ, all things are yours. The world, all of its goods, and all of its pleasures, all joys, all contentment, all happiness, it is all yours, Paul says, in Christ. God's taken us as paupers, and he's raised us up to the level of princes. He's given us everything. Behold, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, it is yours. The moments later in Corinthians, Paul admits, and yet we become like the scum of the world. We become like the refuse of all things. And what we see now, what we experience in this life can so sharply contradict the message and the promise of the gospel. Blessed with Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Born again to a living hope, grieved by various trials, and tested as by fire. You've been chosen, writes Paul, You've been redeemed from destruction. You've obtained an inheritance in Christ. 
which gives you all things. But now, now your life contradicts the promise. Now your experience tells you that you have been abandoned. Right now your life declares that God has forsaken you. And so what do we do? What do we do when so very often in this life our experience contradicts what the gospel promises us? Well, God, writes Paul today, has not left us alone to proceed in this life of hope. God doesn't expect us to see through all of the onslaught of these contradictions. This is not about my firm resolve. This is not about my unflinching will. This is not about my undaunted courage. God, writes Paul, has not left us to do this alone. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus promises the disciples, but I will come to you. The Spirit of God I will give to you, and having him, you will possess me. And so Paul today tells us about this gift of the Spirit, and he calls this gift first a seal, and then he calls it today a down payment. And both of these terms correspond to some form of assurance. The wax seal legitimizes the document. It tells the recipient that what is present is real. It's the real thing. It's not some fancy. It's not counterfeit. It's binding. It says to the recipient, this letter is from me. It is not from anybody else. It tells you that what you have is authentic. And so we read in Romans 8, the Spirit of God does what? It bears witness. It tells us that we are indeed the children of God. And so Paul says today, God has given us his promised spirit and he makes his abode in our very hearts. And he tells us in this way that what has happened to us, what has gone on in us has the imprint of divine authorship. I have written this with my own hand, the Lord says to you through his spirit. What's going on in you is from me. What's happening in your life is from me. You are my letter, he says. I am writing your life. And I have given you my spirit so that you can know this. And as we spend more time cultivating our relationship with the Holy Spirit of God, as we give ourselves to secret prayer, as we pursue the majesty of God in our midst, as we prize the intimate presence of Jesus in our day-to-day existence who dwells in our hearts, we will hear these words more and more clearly every day. You are mine. You belong to me, he says. You are my workmanship and the details of your life belong to me. You are not your own. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own but that I belong in body and soul and and, in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And the seal of the Spirit assures us, you belong to me. Your life belongs to me. Your minutes belong to me. Your hours belong to me. Nothing has happened. Nothing is happening. Nothing will happen but what is mine for you. The seal comes. You are my letter. I am writing your life. But Paul says today that the Spirit of God is also a deposit. It is the earnest of our inheritance, as the King James put it. It's a a down payment. It's a portion. 
And it's a wonderful thing to have fellowship with the Spirit of Jesus. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it not, to, to know that at any point of the day, we can be and we are indeed in the presence of the Master. Remember Peter on the lake shore after the Lord's resurrection when he heard John says, it's the Lord. Peter just jumps into the ocean. He can't wait to get to the Lord. And we, at any part of our day, we can realize the company of the Master. And it's the best part of life. It's better than life itself. It's what we were made for. There is nothing so sweet. There is nothing so satisfying. There is nothing so pleasurable as realizing the presence and the company of Jesus. But for all of its sweetness that we now can enjoy, Paul says to us today, this is a deposit. <laughs> it's a taste of what is going to come. He's showing us just a glimpse. And what we have now in our joys in communing with the Lord as tremendously powerful, as tremendously sweet it can be, it is merely a sliver of what the Lord will give to us. Paul says at that time, at that time we shall inherit an eternal weight of glory that is what? It is beyond. It is beyond all comparison. Paul says there's nothing that you can possibly compare to that heavy, thick reality of the presence of God, that beatific, beautiful, blessed vision of the Lord that's awaiting us. And so take all of your joys now that you've ever experienced in Jesus and multiply them by a hundred million and it will not even come close to what the Lord has in store for you. And so my brothers and sisters today, I want to very simply invite you to give yourself anew to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit of God. I invite you to come today as we approach the Holy Table and as we approach the end of the service, if you'd like to come and be anointed with oil today, if you're saying in your heart, I want to know more of this seal. I want to know more of this deposit. Then I invite you to come. I will anoint you with oil and I'll pray a simple prayer of you. Oh God, grant more of your Holy Spirit for this child of yours that you might know that you are his letter and that you might truly know that the best thing in life is his presence and it's yearning for more and more of it. God grant us all grace today to realize his grace for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.